We'd like to express our appreciation to Fool and Scholar Productions for their generous support of Podtails. Fool and Scholar Productions are the creators of the award-winning sci-fi podcast Vast Horizon. Join agronomist Dr. Nalira Eck as she embarks on a spaceship designed to populate a new solar system and wakes up alone on one of the ship's operating tables. Unable to find anyone else on board the vessel, which has numerous mission-critical problems, it quickly becomes one woman's fight for survival against the vast emptiness of space. Vast Horizon is available for free however you listen to podcasts, so check it out today to experience new things, new skies, and new people. Oh, I've been meaning to listen to this one. Tell me more about it. Hi, this is Lauren Grace Thompson. And Ian Gears. The creators and writers behind The Vanishing Act. A rambling absurdity in 12 parts. Right. 12-ish parts. The Vanishing Act tells the story of a mysterious... And fictional... ...tragedy that occurred at a magic show way back in the 17th century. And a ragtag group of scientists, conmen, theater artists, and social climbers trying to unravel its mystery in the 1930s. What follows is a globe-trotting farce from Germany to France to America, where our intrepid team of heroes... Uh, not really heroes. ...protagonists, then, encounter European criminals, Hollywood elite, and pretentious artists other than themselves, all while doing their best to avoid engaging with the actual world around them. To begin at the beginning, it is spring. Or at least it was. Not now. No, now it is winter. Spring just sounds more hopeful, doesn't it? But in this case, it was winter in Paris, a time that would eagerly be described by visitors as charmed and by locals as bullshit. Or at least that was the general consensus backstage at the Théâtre des Tuileries, one of Paris's largest, most ornate and over-expensive theatres, where tonight the revered and elusive stage magician Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck would be unveiling his newest greatest and most elusive spectacle yet, his mysterious vanishing box. Ce n'est pas un tour, c'est une illusion. Moi-moi, Janet. Ah, Jean-Jacqueline, bonjour. This is the beginning of our story. Seems to be a very good place to start. Paris, France, 1699. Glitz, glamour and innovation buzzed backstage. The gravely handsome and newly moustached Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck was preparing in tucks and tails for his big finish, the vanishing act. It was at that moment that Lamarck was confronted by the most terrifying and unwanted sight a performer could ever see backstage, his show's producer, the onomatopoetically named George de Boer a man with more gut than brain and winner of Paris's most prominent sideburns award for three non-consecutive years in a row. There you are, Jean-Jacqueline. I've been hot as a bull chump's jockstock looking for you behind all these expensive velvet curtains. It is not customary to approach the performer seconds before his glory. Sorry? What do you want? Who, me? I just wanted to say good luck and merde and... You know, I don't know if you can tell, but the excitement is palpable out there. Historically, no one's seen anything like this. In 1699, I mean. So? So, 
This is a big deal, and we're all very excited. And my backers are all counting on seeing something amazing. And if they don't, then they may get mad. And if they get mad, they may pull your backing, as backers are want to do. And once they find out we've spent all the backing, the backers have previously backed you with, they may be pulling you out of the scene. Comprends? Je comprends, mon frère. Now. Since I am expositorily refreshed, may I go on stage to change the world and make you money? Happy to hear we're on the same page. Et maintenant, l'incroyable Jean-Jacqueline Lennart et son vanishing box! Lamarck walked on stage to a total hush and closed himself into the impressive box situated dead centre. God, this trick better work better than that name. And as Lamarck's appropriately titled Vanishing Box reopened, something amazing happened. Jean Jacqueline had, as the title suggested, vanished into thin air. The trick had worked. I'm gonna fuck so many women at this after party. That is, until it didn't. Jacqueline, what's happening? God damn it, I don't want to die! I have a reservation tonight! For after what felt like a lifetime of chaotic riffing and space-age sound effects, everyone in the Théâtre des Tuileries, from the wealthy orchestra audience members to the nameless French copulants, had, much like the performer they came to see, vanished without a trace. The Vanishing Act by Ian Gears and Lauren Grace Thompson Part 1. The Corkscrew disappearance of the entire human occupancy of the Théâtre de Tuileries was widely regarded as one of the most notoriously mysterious theatrical mishaps of the late 17th century. Thought by some to be the work of true dark magic, and by others to be an inverted 17th century flash mob, the tragedy remained shrouded in mystery for well over 200 years, which leads us to our story. Our main story, anyway, which resumes at the inception of contemporary pretensions and deviance in Berlin, 1933. A time categorised by artistic flourishment and driven by the pettiness of who got there first, no one embodied those two characteristics with more abject tenacity than August Eckhart. For our own purposes, let's just call him Augie who at this very moment was in a rehearsal of his own for a stage play about a certain disappearance we're hopefully all now familiar with. Eckhart! Are we going to see this or not? We're running an hour behind schedule and I'd actually like to start tech sometime this week. Fucking directors. It's coming, Hirschfelder. Love you. Love you too. All right, Schwanzkopf, you're all strapped in. How you feeling? Like I'm strapped into a harness in a non-union house. Close, but not quite. Now you're strapped into a harness in a non-union house. Swear to God, if this doesn't work, Eckhart, you're fucking dead. Like, holy 
dead. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You do know I control the harness, right? And about that, this pinches under the armpits. My agent says I need my armpits to be smooth as baby butter if I'm going to book this paint ad. My God, Schwanskopf, what happened to your sense of do-it-yourself theatricality? We're supposed to pour our blood, sweat, and tears into this. Yes, but the paint ad pays, so... Well, if you're only in this for monetary compensation, I don't know why we're fucking talking right now. Just get on with it. I feel a Charlie horse coming on in my right shoulder. I'm gonna let that one go. Did you read the notes I sent you? When Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck tested this, his harness pinched everywhere. So technologically, this is an improvement. If we're just gonna run the clock out of this rehearsal, could you at least let me know? See? Now you've pissed off the director. That's on you. No, but I... And don't worry your pretty little jawline. Safety is the number one concern. Are we ready to pull the lever or what? You do what you do best. Stand here, don't move, and let us do all the work. I don't know. My left arm feels numb. Look. You see these? These are Lamarck's own original notes on the vanishing box. My most prized possessions in the world. I can't even begin to underline how important they are or the depravity of what I had to do to get them. If I had a kid, which I don't want, I can promise you they wouldn't be half as culturally significant or interesting as these random sheets of paper. Now look at this. You see that? Yeah, I see them. You can stop shaking the papers at me. If I get a face paper cut again, my agent is going to... You see that harness drawn right there? Yeah? That's this harness you've got on. Everything we're doing here is up to, at the very least, the standards of 17th century theatrical stagecraft. Now, break a leg. So what? That's supposed to make me feel better? Sorry for yelling earlier. Just wanted to put some fear of God into the room. That's why your people were chosen and mine weren't. Laheim, is he okay? He'll be fine, just complaining. And hey, you were the one who wanted to go with a non-union actor. We couldn't afford a union actor. True. And you don't trust the unions. Also true. And you hate actors. A third true. So this one's going to work, right? Hey, you wanted accuracy, right? I'm following the man's notes verbatim. Or at least the ones I can make out from my younger French tutoring days. Who let you tutor French? It takes a true expert to tutor a language you don't speak. You know who said that? Nietzsche? No, me. But here, look, I at least recognize these diagrams and a few of the measurements. And as for the word themselves, meh, French, you know? Foggy? We can't afford... Relax, my little Maccabee. According to this, Lamarck's box seemed to work on springs, pulleys, and counterweights. My machine works on springs, pulleys, and counterweights. Lamarck's harness seemed to move the entire box around the performer. My harness pulls the performer out of the box in a catapult-like fashion. If anything, mine's better. It's a low bar. The show's about Lamarck's vanishing box. I remade Lamarck's vanishing box. Nothing could go wrong. All right? All right, punch it. In fact... Many things could go wrong, but Augie Eckhart considered himself impervious to acts of God and would regularly flaunt this at work, such as... Cool theater. Macbeth! Okay, so the acoustics suck. With family. Wow, Uncle Augie, you built us a houseboat. It is a great gift. I call it the Titanic. So go ahead, you little scamps. The lake is mostly thawed. And with women... Wait, wait, wait. Before we go any further. You said you liked that I was in the theater, right? The right one's Regan and the left one's Goneril. Because they say they love me, but I have my doubts. Get it? Okay, so you see, in King Lear... So you have read it. So the chances of one of the most moderately infamous theatrical accidents replicating itself as efficiently as Augie had replicated Lamarck's vanishing box were not just highly probable, but a damned certainty. Adolf, take it from the top of the soliloquy. Top of the soliloquy, thank you. You're welcome. Augie. Sorry. Now, have I done it? 
When Vigarani first built the Théâtre des Tuileries, little did he know that I would be taking it to its apex. For what is a theater without a performer? It is not a home. It is not a school. It is not a refuge. Woof, this dialogue is rough. Well, if you got me new pages on time, I wouldn't have to resort to the placeholder draft. Are we fighting? You wouldn't be standing if we were. Noted. It is not a bother. I am not my father! It is not a sand dune. It is not a pontoon boat. Do you think he could open his eyes any wider? Thank God he's an expressionist. Can't he just skip to the end? Apparently not. Interrupts his flow. Do, do, do. It, it, it. To vanish. Oh, yeah, into okay. No. Infamy. My armpit. Jesus Christ. Huh. I could have sworn that... Oh. Okay, so Ekue must mean failed. That's on me. Later on that evening, Augie was awakened from a half-attempted nap with the most welcome of noises. Who bangs on a door these days? Good God, Augie. What happened to your nose? Get in here, Hirschfelder. No need to be pushy, love. I'm not. Just get the fuck inside. Thank God. Happy to see you, too. Now, the nose. It, uh... Look, I don't think we're going to be able to get that coke from Schwanskopf tonight. Your drug connect was the actor you maimed? How was I supposed to know you could still punch someone with a broken arm? Subtraction! Well, I wasn't thinking about collegiate math when I asked for the coke, was I? Apparently not. I told you not to use Lamarck's notes for the vanishing box. They're French nonsense, and I'm not even sure they're real. First of all, they are real. Look at how aged the pages are. Second of all, and in my defense, those notes were in French. Who the fuck speaks French? Not the French tutor, apparently. If there's one thing I've gotten good at in the three-plus years of having these precious papers, it's inferring meanings from pictures and words I don't really understand. Today's trial didn't work. We just have to dive right in tomorrow with a few adjustments based on what I learned. For instance, did you know in French, non means no? The more you know. Well, I am sure Misha will be thrilled to see you like this tonight, obsessing yet again over your mysteriously disappeared magician and his theater of friends. I'm sure she'd be thrilled to see me at all at this point. You know, it's been almost a week now since our last attempt at a date night. No. Again? She's been with me long enough to know what a tech schedule is like. Eight months together and no work from you, how exactly would she know that schedule? You and I both know I talk about it enough. So what you're saying is she doesn't know you put the whole relationship thing on hold. If anyone's smart enough to pick up that I've lost interest, it is most definitely her. Yet you still plan on attending her birthday tonight. Well, that's why I'm absolutely not going if we can't procure the coke. I don't want to make an ass of myself. No, why would you ever? Thank you. So, what about you? Well, I've been up and down Alexanderplatz. Oh, no, I meant the coke. Do you have a connect? Oh, I am so sorry. Here I thought you wanted to know about my day. We were together at the theater all day, Anton. We've had the same day. I wish I had your simple outlook. Many do, but that doesn't mean many will. God, my head is swimming. Then by all means, let's get you some pharmaceuticals. Thank you. So do you have someone? I may have spent some time with a Tommy last night who could oblige. Alonzi. Is that his name? <laughs> The streets of Berlin have a certain beauty about them, a safety one feels walking nestled between the large houses and stone monuments. No matter the time of year, the majesty of Berlin was always there to warm its tenants' hearts. Fuck, it's cold. By all means, get your complaining out now. 
Better not embarrass me in front of this one. Jesus, Anton, it's bad enough he's British, but a soldier? I'm not actually sure if he was in the service or only performed like he was. Really? Can we not? I haven't gotten anywhere near intercourse in over three weeks. I'm going to start looking at him like a valid option. Well, if you do decide to climb up the spectrum to enlightenment, you'd find Rudyard to be extremely well supplied. A true patron of the arts and hung like a goddamn warhorse. My friend, I see this one to you. How kind. But you were never in the running. Anton. Rudyard. Darling. And this must be Mr. Eckhart. I'm Rudyard T. Codswallow. You talked about me? You should be honored I brought you up unprompted. Yes, Anton spoke very highly of you. Pleased to make your acquaintance, my good man. I'm not going to kiss your hand or anything, governor. I wouldn't dream of asking. Thanks. Splendid. Now that the niceties are by the dash, I must ask, what happened to your nose? Byproduct of the skit business? It's a war out there. Not that you're unfamiliar Is that in reference to... Oh, God, do I look old enough to have fought in that thing? It was a matter of debate. I was merely postulating the theory due to your attentiveness. Oh, no, just common courtesy, I'm afraid. Do unto others and all that. Mm, And how many others are we doing exactly? Keep pressing the matter and maybe we'll find out. Should I go? Yes, quite! We all should, in fact. I believe we're attending a party, are we not? I... we? Absolutely, Rudyard. However, before we go, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind taking some notes? It would be my pleasure. There's a dime jazz trio playing next door. Indulge me. We'd be delighted. Excellent spot, don't you think? A dime, gin martini, and more importantly, no one even attempting to check one's personal effects. Not that we need to worry with these... (laughs) Hirschfelder, I know it's been a while, but you do still remember the difference between an eight ball of cocaine and a satchel full of, what are those, pens? Ballpoint pens. Excuse me? Perhaps they're not just ballpoint pens, Augie. Rudyard, darling, give us an example. Of course. You simply click the tip and... Sweet fuck. Beautiful, isn't it? No, the jazz trio by the bar. Caucasians. Jazz Caucasians. Oh, That's just not right. Now, each of these pens here contain a line of Columbia's finest pens. The sleek, stylish, easy to conceal, and easier still to use. Like so. (sighs) Wow. We'll call the first lines complimentary as I am your guest to this party. You angel. How many lines between us then? Let's call it a sonnet. So, as I am new to the scene here in Berlin, are there any insufferables I should prepare myself for this evening? Really? Just dicks. Ugh. Well, if I wasn't interested before. Jeff, dicks? That cunt. What fun. You know those artists that say they get lost in their work and don't come to any openings for two years straight? I'm afraid I haven't had the pleasure. Strap in. There's Ernst. Pretentious. Clee. Lame. Zimmer. Hey, I like Zimmer. That's the problem. Everyone likes Zimmer. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't challenge anyone. He doesn't make bold statements. He's just there like bread. I like bread. Oh. <laughs> you know it sounds like bread and will definitely be there. Bread. Bertold Brecht, the playwright. Oh, for fuck's sake. Misha was in one of his first readings of Three Penny. They remained close. You want to meet an insufferable? I just love getting a rise out of him. You know Brecht will be there for 30 minutes, stand in the corner, get swarmed by guests, and go home with the most beautiful or attentive one standing. Oh, he just loves the most eager puppy in the kennel. <laughs> He's into dogs. Exactly. Not good for a man on the rebound. I mean, what if Misha... Augie's ex. I'm sorry. We think. Quite so. What if she's the most eager puppy in the kennel tonight? Well, this metaphor just got more problematic. Having second thoughts about your disinterest now? No, I... 
Is it too much to hope that maybe this will be one of those great relationship postscripts where we can still have sex but aren't obligated to do, like, family events? Because you're beleaguered with those. I just don't know why two people who, at one point in time, enjoyed pushing bodies together wouldn't want to rekindle that flame from time to time. It makes these dry spells so much more difficult, and honestly, it just really lowers my self-esteem. I pity the story you're the protagonist of. Thoughts? Look, I've been fortunate enough to meet five incredibly generous women who have pitied me enough to sleep with me, and while I remain forever grateful, their lack of continued interest in me once the romance is gone is pretty rattling. And I assume you've always been this transparent with these women. God, no. They already end up thinking I'm an asshole after a while. To expedite the process with honesty just seems redundant. Integrity is a pesky devil. I just can't lose this breakup. Afraid there will be no dogs in the kennel for you? Gross, I don't fuck dogs. Oh, come on, you don't even like Misha. Sure I did, for a while, then... I don't know, at least she was willing to have sex with me, and now I'm in a spell and I... I... When am I ever gonna have sex again? Without pain? Sometimes I wish I was queer, then I'd never have to worry about this. Ah, uh, yes. Because we're the ones comparing the entire gender we're sexually attracted to to domesticated animals. It's definitely us with the crisis of standards. Broadening your prospects certainly couldn't hurt. No, no. Let him continue digging his own grave. Yes, quite. So men are definitely red-zoned for you. Well, if they weren't, then how could he and I ever be friends? The temptation would be just too strong. You know what I mean. No, Augie, I don't. I guess God just cursed me with standards and blessed you with callousness. I'm just saying I'd have more options. And more rejections. I'm just saying. Oh, that one's just a pen. There's always bound to be one. Well, I must say, chaps, it sounds like a rollicking guest list. There's one you're forgetting. And I honestly shouldn't even be telling you this, but the story demands I do. Lilith von Hitzler will be in attendance tonight. Lilith von Hitzler? Lilith von Hitzler. The chipmunk-cheeked girl I used to tutor? Jesus, Augie. Jeff Dix and the chipmunk? What is it, Christmas? I haven't heard that name in nearly eight years. Fortunately, she aged better than the name did. That would make her nearly 20 now, wouldn't it? Anton, I'm not going to flirt with the girl who used to take radios apart for fun during our fake French lessons. Besides, isn't that immoral? Look at you exercising a conscience. I try. Sometimes. Well, she shouted at me from across Alexanderplatz today. Apparently, she heard about our Lamarck play from some unspecified, narratively convenient source and would not stop asking me about it. Anyway, I passed the buck off on you, told her all about your precious notes and whatnot, and now she is tickled pink to see you again. Ugh, Anton, you know how I feel about the sanctity of the artistic process. It's a garden that must be tended with care and sunlight and no pressure of rewrites. I invited her to Misha's tonight, attempting to be a good wing person and... Ugh, Anton! And I must say, she has grown into those chipmunk cheeks. You have no idea what straight people are attracted to, do you? Oh. You mean... She... Oh. Watch as he considers his course of action. Well, she did always have a crush on me, but... As he tries to manifest some semblance of a moral code. No, that's just obscene if I... Well... And... I'll do it. There it goes. Shall we get some makeup for that broken nose? Oh, shit, I almost forgot. Goddamn Schwanzkopf. Work hazard, I'm assuming? Good guess. Actually, Anson told me all about your ambitious little project. The only thing worse than kissing ass for funding is wasting that funding on actors. So this was your actor's fault. What are you writing, a book? Good guess. Rudyard is a writer. Travel books. That's why he's in Berlin. I told you all of this. I definitely told you all of this. No, you didn't. Must have been an earlier draft. 
It was. So, color me curious, what's the play about? Don't get him. You know Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck? Enlighten me. Lamarck was a stage magician in France under the reign of King Louis Please excuse the fast-forwarding of Orgy's life passion, but seeing as we've heard this all before, I find it best to focus on how this already familiar information is being received by its newest audience. As Orgy Eckhart explained the entire history of Lamarck, climaxing in the tragedy of the amazing vanishing man, Rudyard T. Codswallop sat wrapped in a mood Orgy couldn't place between genuine interest and cool remove. Huh. Either way, an opportunity to talk about himself and his project was an opportunity he was more than happy to take with any newcomer, oldcomer, or inanimate house dressing. And here. This next section is interesting. But hey, I'm just an omniscient third-party narrator. What do I know? And who wouldn't connect with that level of intentional or accidental failure? I hope you won't take offence, Air Eckhart, but I've never seen the point of historical drama. Every time I think about writing a novel of that kind, I wonder, who am I? Weird thought. What arrogance for me or anyone to believe that they, in the present, have anything new to say about an era that's past. I prefer to stick to the now. There's no lack of pressing matters that need dissecting in our modern world. Check, please. Well, waste not, want not. To the cab. But see, Air T. Codswallop. Codswallop's fine. You're telling me. But you've actually stumbled upon one of the greatest avenues of new expressionist theater. Consider Germany here, now, under the Weimar Republic, 1933, 14 years since it started, six years since its apex, at least two years since any good coke. You're welcome. I thank you. But if people end up referring to this as the shining example of German enlightenment, we'd have no idea. We're inside of it. To us, this is shit. The same shit as yesterday, and the same shit as tomorrow. The ideas that I have, and you have, and Anton have, could change the world as we know it. But we wouldn't feel those ripple effects until we have that perspective. And that could take years, centuries of rippling down. The current political landscape has no immediate effect on us, on me at least. We feel things in ripple? Say ripple one more time. Ripple. In this era, what's really been produced? A couple of plays, a cool piano piece, maybe one good novel, and then a barrage of other shit to get us through the day until the next great touchstone is named. I'm not trying to say I'm the next fucking Shakespeare, but I am saying a play about Shakespeare would be a hell of a lot more enlightening than a play about me here or now. And we'd share themes and questions and motifs through the ages. Yes, I'm familiar with the concept of equivalence. He wants you to know that he is too. But if we share these ideas and behavior through the ages, then who cares what age we set our play in? You may as well choose the one that has the best characters, and in the case of Lamarck, possible magical circumstances? Possible... what? I'm sorry. Don't get him... Magical circumstances. We know everyone disappeared, but we don't know how they disappeared. And you think that's magic? No one said it wasn't magic, so... Right. Well, let's table that. But not forget it. Even if alchemy was not involved, you don't believe the political climate has anything to do with what makes these historical times more interesting settings for your stories? Absolutely not. Hindenburg, Ivan the Terrible, Louis the Fourteenth. these are just men. They had ideas, and the ideas affected the landscape, but the stories were the same. For instance, uh, who's someone making a lot of waves here in Germany right now? Hitler. See, I bet you anything this... Wait, Lilith's father? No relation. Right. I bet this Hitler, whoever he is, will never make one bit of difference in my life. I do believe that's an invitation for historical irony. We're here! Well, this is miserable. Look. What? Caucasians. Jazz Caucasians! Caucasians.
shit, 10 o'clock. I don't know what that means. Zimmer, how are you, my good man? Gunther Zimmer, though a solid four to six inches taller, broader, and wider than Augie Eckhart in nearly every respect, was the type of person referred to in certain pretentious circles with adjectives such as dim, insufferable, and bread. But to the non-cynics of the world, Gunther Zimmer, in his sorbet-coloured three-piece suit, was first and foremost an innocent, and known widely across all of Berlin's restaurants and galleries as... A super nice guy. Hirschfelder? Augie? I was just... Mein God, what happened to your nose? What's the deal with your suit? Gunther, this is our English friend, Rudyard. He has coke if you want some. Damn it, Augie. Ow, why would you hit my forearm? You know I bruise there. I have no clue what these gentlemen are talking about. Pleased to meet you, sir. And no, I'm not going to knock on anybody, but I'm all fine. No cocaine for me. Good man. Love the suit. Oh, my God, thank you. My mother bought it for me from Shinshinachi, USA, so... What do you know? Say, none of you gents would happen to have a cork and screw on you by any chance, would you? Is that a euphemism? It's too easy. What? Never mind. How is your charming mother? Still in the chair? She is! But the doctors say she should be out by spring. Hoorah! Gunther, you haven't by any chance seen Lilith von Hitzler around here, have you? The guy from the paper? Useless. So none of you have a cork and screw? I'm afraid not. Is there a shortage? Nobody brought one. No stores are open. People are getting desperate. This is dire. Gunther, I'm going to solve this corkscrew situation for you. I will not rest until your belly is even more full than it is. Excuse me, gentlemen. What a nice guy. Saint amongst men. And thus, Augie Eckhart began scouring his ex, or potentially still current, girlfriend's birthday party in search of his former student, whom he hoped to prove his future romantic partner. No, no, not you. Too tall, too short, too... Well, just no. This is stupid. God, you're so stupid, Eckhart. You were her tutor, for Christ's sake. You taught her a language you don't even speak. You're old enough to be her older brother. Ugh, why does that turn me on? God, your late 20s are weird. Here, Eckhart, I was hoping I'd find you slinking around the exits. Since the beginning of time, only a handful of combinations of humans had created so much harmony that time stopped. The stars would shine brighter, the air would blow coolly, and all poverty would cease. Looking at Lilith von Hitzler all grown up, Augie Eckhart felt a clarity he'd been waiting for his entire life. A purpose that rang pure and true in his heart. I have to fuck her. My God, it's like he can't even hear my setup at all. Lilith, thank God. I mean, are you Lilith? Von Hitzler? Little Lilith? Uh, I mean, uh, what once was but a caterpillar is now in a yellow dress and looks... Wow. Yes, I like yellow. So good to see you, too. You are looking so much more adult as well. In fact, speaking of adults, I actually wanted to talk to you about adult things, such as jobs, occupations, interests, your... Oh my god, what happened to your nose? Let's get out of the light, or how about this? You stay in the light, and I'll move here into this dark corner. There we go. Yes. Well, we've both smartened in our maturation. We're in a new chapter of our lives, it seems. You and I here at this party together. What are the odds? One in six million one hundred thirty-two thousand four hundred and two. 
or something. Maths are wild. So I just got back from university yesterday and I heard about Misha's birthday from... Yeah, we broke up. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't even know you were... It's... Pff, it's okay. It's better. So, pivoting completely away from... Absolutely this... sweet girl. Really human woman, but like, did I love her? Ah, yeah, who's to say? Certainly not I. So, I hear you're in theater now, huh? Wow, that's... But I don't want to dwell on the past. I'm in a much better place now, focusing on work, creating... Adding my not-so-little piece to the cultural canon. If that's how we finally segue to this, yes. Let's talk about your play. Anton was telling me all about it, and I was just so curious. Well, I don't want to take the turkey out of the oven before it's done, but... But we gotta base that bird sometime, right? So, tell me all about it. The story, the details, the trial specifics. Basing. Good image. But I... No, I don't want to bore you with silly business talk when we could be enjoying this previously mentioned dark quarter. Right. Um, or you could tell me... For instance, you know, I have a lot of hard opinions on things, like art and food. Sometimes I choose to wear rope as a belt. When I was a boy, I would cry when my mom made me do chores, so, you know, I'm sensitive. That's amazing, Hair at Card. You know what I remember most about you? Do I want to? That keen, critical eye. I remember from the days of the Bienvenu workbook. You knew from first grade French lessons I'd have a keen, critical eye? Well, French is the language of communication. That is the textbook definition of language, Herr Eckhart. Augie, please, you can call me Augie now. Or Herr Eckhart, that's surprisingly okay too. Well, Augie, while I'm sure you were getting around to asking, I've been working for nearly six years to get a degree in theoretical physics with a begrudging minor in administrative services at a very remote university in the Alps that no one is allowed to speak the name of. But I'm back in Berlin for the first time in years at my first post-graduation party, and as the fates would have it, you happen to be the person here with the information I'm actually interested in, so we seem to be at what the French would call an impasse. Oh, we don't have to bring profanity into the mix. Here, I'll ask you a question about you now. Where'd you go to school? We don't speak its name. No, I heard. Well, I didn't go to university, so that's... Really great that you got that experience. I decided my calling was to go straight into the world of theater. <laughs> of course you did. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Excuse me? Nothing. I just said, how did you come to that fascinating conclusion? You always loved talking about yourself through most of our French lessons. I was starting to think you didn't actually know French. Who actually knows French? I'm in set design? Really? Like a carpenter or a mechanical engineer? If you think that's impressive, then absolutely like that, yes. Well, you know, I know a thing or two about engineering myself, Air Eckhart. I mean, Augie. Cool. I just find it so much more admirable that instead of writing those big, pretentious, lofty plays, you're working with your hands. Strong hands. You have strong carpenter man hands. Huh. I guess they are pretty strong, considering how much I moisturize. We never got to do anything physical up at university. Right. Where'd you go again? We don't speak its name. Right. Sorry. Oh. Silly. So, what are those big, strong, meaty man hands working on now? Me, my meaty man hands work on play. On a play. A play about? About Lamarck? Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck? H have you heard of him? You mean the 17th century stage magician that created a box that caused the disappearance of over 2,000 audience members and himself due to mysterious circumstances? Never heard of him. Well, he... he had this box, you see. Uh, a 
box? What would that even look like? I don't even know. A circle? Two big, stupid, boob-shaped triangles? They didn't teach you what a box looks like at that... Where was it you said you went again? You can't speak its name. (laughs) Do you happen to have a, a picture or, like, a diagram of what this box even looked like? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I actually have his Lamarck's notes right here in my... Beastly sorry to interrupt you. You don't have to have a corkscrew, do you? No, why do you... Nope, absolutely not. Just electrifying conversation. Thank you very much. Oh, Eka, you know, it was so dark I didn't even see you there. Are you not going to introduce me, old chap? Well, actually, Augie and I were just in the middle of something, Mr... Uh, yeah, this is... Rudyard T. Coltswallop, pleased to meet you. Rudyard, yes, he's English and a writer. Oh, a writer? Like, of plays? Are you working with Augie on the Lamarck play? Oh, no, although the chap was drawing my ear off about it earlier. Private notes, dark magic, disappearance, a true yarn. No, my first slash latest was an examination of the underground poverty movement in Sweden called Stockholmless. I'm afraid I missed it. I don't spend too much time with British nonfiction. Well, it's like they say. Choosing between British fiction and nonfiction is like deciding between dinner with a corpse and cocktails with a baby. <laughs> I guess the baby has a full life ahead of it. Spot on. Eckhart, what are you reading at the moment? Me? I'm when I can tear myself away from my work. I'm currently in the middle of the newest book by C. Marshall St. Francis. I'm afraid I'm now the one in the dark. What's the title? The Temptress of Buttress Creek. Excellent prose. Great world building. Augie, it's been a gas watching you make a fool of yourself in front of this girl, but could you come over here? What? I said... Oh, shit. Is that Bertolt Brecht in my motherfucking house? Brecht is here. Wow, Bertolt Brecht comes to parties like this? I think you'd see right through him. You think I'd see right through Brecht? Yeah. Oof, I don't know about you all, but I have got to use the toilet and, uh, freshen up. But you, you, Lilith, why don't you stay here and make sure no one comes over and steals our dark corner? All right, but when you come back, we still need to talk about your play. And I can't wait to tell you more. T. Codswallop, could you come over here with me for a second, please? Just Rudyard is fine. Just Rudyard, I need you to do a favor for me. I'm listening. I need you to distract Lilith. How long? Just like 20 minutes, until I'm sure Brecht has left with someone, decidedly not Fräulein von Hitzler. Eckert, are you sure? You were getting so close to approximating normal human behavior. And I thank you, but please, please, for the love of fuck, just distract her, dance with her, and tell her you love her yellow dress or makeup or something. Well, I do love a yellow dress and a makeup, so... See, you're already doing great, creating your own overcomplicated truth. What are you, a non-union actor? Just talk with her. Brecht will be gone in 20 minutes. Tops. If he sees her in that time, I'm done for. So you want me to stay with Lilith? For the love of real Jesus, yes. Eckert, I am at your disposal. Why don't we bring it in for a hug? We've achieved friendship. I guess it does. Come here. You, sir, what the Jews call a munch. We call them a mensch? Pretty sure it's munch. Yeah, I forgot how bar mitzvahed you were. Now, come on. Hey, Lilith, while I'm gone, feel free to ask Rudyard anything you want about my project. That way, I can answer any questions or astonishments you may have when I get back. Be right soon. And turning away from one potential romantic encounter, Augie Eckhart turned around directly into an expired one. Augie Eckhart! Misha, we were just going to find you. Happiest of birthdays to you. Exactly, it is my birthday. What are you doing here? Hello, Misha. Hello, Anton, darling. Love the coat. 
I didn't know a woman could unironically pull off a tuxedo until today. Kudos. Mm, who said the style of the 20s had to die with the decade? Kafka? No, it was me. Okay, cool. Doesn't make any fucking sense, but okay. Augie, you need to leave. Couldn't agree more. Augie, let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like we shouldn't let one disagreement destroy three years of friendship or... Whatever it was we had, should we? First of all, we've known each other for four years. Second, I haven't heard a word from you in a full week, which effectively makes us absolutely not a whatever anymore. That seems hurtful. It was supposed to be. And third, you almost ripped poor Adolf's two arms out of socket today at your fucking unsafe fucking non-union rehearsal. Yeah, but he's fine. Fuck off, Eckhart. Ah, when did he get here? Do you even realize how serious this is? He may never have full use of his arms again. I'm sure he'll be fine. His hearing's still great. He can obviously still butt into conversation, so that's a win. You are unbelievable. I'd appreciate it if you would leave. Ah, ah, ah. Unless you have a corkscrew. No, I... Hey, everyone. Heinrich brought a corkscrew! Heinrich? I guess that wasn't right. Must have just been Heinrich Merkel with the corkscrew in the lounge. Since when did Heinrich Merkel start wearing glasses? Since when did Heinrich Merkel start drinking again? Since when would we call this a lounge? Since it became a convenient detail to ruin my night. Anton, I have to get back to Lilith. Is Lilith that 12-year-old you were talking to? She's 20-ish. Honestly, Augie, you're becoming a parody of yourself. If you're going to pick up jailbait, at least restrain yourself from doing so at your ex's fucking birthday party. Oh, please, it's not like that. I used to be her teacher, for Christ's sake. Who will let you teach anyone? You see... Misha, this is exactly why we couldn't work. You didn't believe in me. Never have. Absolutely. Never believed in you. You are so right. By the way, what was the name of the last play I performed in? Aha, a test. See, people who trust each other don't make each other do tests. Is that Proust? Anton, it has been lovely to see you. Augie, you're a wordless cunt. Kindly fuck right off. What a... Don't forget to say happy birthday. Happy birthday. See, now was that so hard? Fuck, we're wasting so much time that I could be wooing Lilith with. I haven't even begun to tell her about Lamarck's favorite dish. It's beef! I gotta get back to... Anton? Yes? Where'd Lilith go? She's not in that dark corner you left her in. I'm shocked. No, she's not. We were falling in love right over there. Then you came to tell me Brecht was here. Then I left there to come here to run interference. Didn't you leave her with my Englishman? That's right, you brilliant Jewish bastard. Bastard is fine. We find your date, we find mine. They should be still right over... How long was he supposed to be babysitting her for? Can we not with the infantilizing of my future love? Fair, but still, brave man. You left him alone for how long? Why? He is a handsome lad. Yes, okay, congratulations again. You can stop bragging now. Aren't you worried? Why would I be worried? He came here with you. I don't think someone like Lilith is exactly his type. Duh. Oh, child. I said I slept with him. Me sleeping with him does not necessarily mean he's not interested in sleeping with her. I'm sorry? You know those boarding school boys? They're like a double-edged sword. They're long, they're cold, and they cut both ways. Are you telling me I left the most innocent, beautiful DTF flower in all of Germany alone with the most handsome, charming British man I've ever met just to find out he's sexually fluid? I feel like you're hyperbolizing. I will kill myself! Anton, I will literally kill myself if he sleeps with Lilith! You said it yourself. She's an adult. Let her make an adult decision. (laughs) Rudyard. (laughs) Stop laughing. (laughs) My self-esteem is already in Chateau fucking if. Zimmer, did you see that handsome blonde devil we were with earlier with the most beautiful beckoning angel over there? Oh, you mean that young girl? Yeah, I saw them. How old is she? How old does she look? Never mind. Did you see them? Yes, yes. They were, well, they were over there aggressively sniffing ballpoint pens. Fuck. The coke. 
Oh, very crafty. <laughs> Although that is very out in the open. And like, I know we are all bohemians. And I mean, I'd never rat anyone out or, you know, no knocking, but... What happened next? Oh, they left a couple of minutes ago. Were they happy? Oh, yeah. They were laughing like a couple of cheaping monks. It was adorable. I'm gonna fucking die! Should I have told him that? You did great, Zimmer. Oh, good. Hey, do either of you want to grab brunch tomorrow? Totally cool if not, but I'm trying to put together this group thing where we all wear polka dots. Fuck, man, this is not good. This is the opposite of good. Why does it matter? She's an infant, Augie. Why don't you go back in there and make a fool of yourself in front of Misha again? At least she's your age. You don't get it, Anton. You can be with anyone in a matter of minutes. Is this another homosexual presumption? No, you're just a very kind, smart, loyal guy, and... That's... That's very sweet, Augie. But when am I ever gonna have sex again? Oh, Jesus Christ. There is no such God! Augie, look at me. It's a lost cause. Both of our prospects left with each other. That's it. It happens. I'm not going to let it ruin my night, especially since this party just got a corkscrew. Now, I'm going to go back into this party and leer at our drunken friends until one of them decides to say fuck it and accompany me into a very dark and very sterile room. And you can either come with me or fuck off and pay for sex at the Straubsinger Cafe. You want me to come with you to a dark and sterile room? Enjoy your night, you worthless cunt. That's Mr. Worthless Cunt to you. Uh. Augie Eckhart realized in this moment that more than his night was at a crossroads. If he wanted to, he could steer into the black ice of self-destructive, selfish and radical behavior by pretending to enjoy an evening with a woman at the Straubsinger Café. Or he could leave, get a cup of strong black coffee and sober up, go home and get a good night's sleep and drive back to the one thing in his life that couldn't disappoint him, Lamarck and his vanishing box. Meanwhile, across town, where three drunken, leather-clad military men were attempting to urinate on the spotless steps of the Berliner Philharmonic Concert Hall, Lilith von Hitzler strolled past, turning to her handsome English companion with a familiar question on her lips. So, Augie was saying you knew a lot about Jean-Jacqueline Lamarck? Well, actually, I happen to have stumbled upon these notes. The Vanishing Act is written and directed by Ian Gears and Lauren Grace Thompson. The episode was sound designed by me, Daniel Etty Williams, and original music was composed by Eric Rivera. This episode featured Sarah Price as Augie Eckhart, Lawrence Stepney as Anton Hirschfelder, Sam Hubbard as Rudyard T. Codswallop, Tina Munoz Pandya as Lilith von Hitzler, Chris Vizaraga as Lamarck. Anne Schwanzkopf, Sean Fouch as DeBoer, Jacob Mundell as Simmer, Eric Eilerson as Misha and Party Guest, Jess Ridnauer as Stagehand and Flashback Voices, and Lauren Grace Thompson as the narrator. Additional piano sounds by Nathan Dunn. The Vanishing Act was recorded at Red Twist Theater in Chicago. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at VanishingPod or on our website, VanishingPod.com. Join us next time for part two, The House Red.
We'd like to express our appreciation to Fool and Scholar Productions for their generous support of Podtails. Fool and Scholar Productions are the creators of a horror fiction podcast set in the Arctic wastes known as The White Vault. Journey north with an international repair team to locate the source of a mysterious signal. Trapped in the white wastes, the team makes a dark discovery and finds that they might not be alone. What horrors lurk beneath the ice? Find out today on The White Vault. Available however you listen to podcasts.